0: excited to be preaching. Uh, God began to give me this sermon series several months ago, and uh, I pray that it will bless you the way it's blessed me. I'm calling it the Gospel of Genesis, and we're going to see the amazing grace of God showing us what was to come through the events that took place in Genesis. Sermon one today, we're going to look at Adam and Eve. Next week, we'll look at Cain and Abel. We'll see Noah in the ark. We're going to see Sodom and Gomorrah and the destruction of the wickedness in that place. And We're going to see God's deliverance of Isaac at the hand of his father. But today we're going to start the Gospel of Genesis, part one. My text is so long today that I'm not real sure. You know what? I'm just going to read it to you. I won't make you stand, but I am going to read the whole thing. It's the Word of God. Amen? Amen. You find in uh, the Old Testament there were times they'd stand all morning long to hear the reading of the Word of God. We're going to start uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Read with me, if you will. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the side and is good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make for him a helper comparable to him. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Look at the story begin to change. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Look at verse 15. It is the most important verse in this entire chapter. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and, and, your, and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, no good and evil, and now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground for which he was taken. Last verse. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Let us pray. Father, this morning we love You. God, we are honored to come together, knowing, Lord, that You are a real God, nearer to us, God, than we even know, here with us in our midst, yet we cannot see You. Father, I pray this morning that You would anoint me to preach in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost of God. Lord, that Your Spirit would break down walls that have been built for years, Lord, Walls that are keeping people from You. Walls that are keeping sinners locked up in their chains. Lord, I pray this morning that You would save some in our midst, Father. I'm expecting You this morning, God, to save some sinner, Lord, this morning that needs You. Father, I pray, God, that You'd encourage the saints. And Lord, that above all things, You'd be glorified through this. That we'd learn more about You. That we'd know You better by the time we leave. And God, while we've had great worship this morning... God, while I'm believing You to anoint me to preach, God, when we leave this place, may we not simply say, wow, what great songs, or wow, what a great sermon, but Father, may we say, what a great Savior. Have Your way this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, this morning, the Gospel of Genesis. We found in verse 7 of chapter 2 that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. This morning, can I tell you, this might seem elementary to some of you, but it's worth preaching that we were created by an omnipotent God. We are not some random chance beings that just so happened to form over billions of years into the the, the best of the species and we're the wisest of them all. That is a lie from the pits of hell. You were created by a living and living God. He formed us out of the dust and He breathed life into man. Man is God's supreme creation. You are God's supreme creation he gave man authority over all of the animals over all of the plants over the earth it was man's uh, responsibility to take care of the rest of everything that god created because we are his supreme creation that means you're significant this morning that means that you're important this morning this world wants you to think that you've got no value, you've got no purpose, you've got no significance, you can never amount to anything, you're not very important to God, you're not important to people, but you listen to me this morning, you were created by the hand of an almighty, one and only, the powerful, great I Am, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and the very fact that He created you is fact enough that you are important to Him and there is a purpose for your life. Man was created by God. You were not an accident this morning. I don't care how you came into this world. The Word of God said that I knew you before I knit you in your mother's womb. It doesn't matter how you came in, friends. You are not an accident this morning. Secondly, we see that man was taken care of by this God in the garden. We see that God's original intent is to take care of man. God wants to take care of you. You see, we get into trouble when we start trying to take care of ourselves. We get into trouble when we start thinking, well, I'm not real sure if God's way is best for me, and I'm not real sure why God would tell me not to eat of this particular tree. It looks pretty tasty to me, if you ask me. I can see it with my own eyes, and it looks pretty good. And when we begin to lose our trust and our faith in God and decide we're going to make our own path or we're going to take care of our own selves and we're going to figure out for our own selves what's right and what's wrong, you find yourself on a one-way path to destruction. But God's original intent was to take care of us. He wants to supply our needs. This isn't just an Old Testament thing. Jesus said, why do you worry about tomorrow? Today's got enough worry in itself. Does not God feed the sparrows? How much more important are you? We even see the theme of the importance of man over all of creation coming from the very mouth of our Savior in the New Testament. God's desires to take care of us. How often when we find ourselves in need do we run somewhere else into the One who loves us and the One who made us and the One who spoke us to thee? This morning, can I tell you, God wants to meet your needs. He wants to be your sole provider. He wants to be the most important thing in your life. More important than your husband. More important than your wife. More important than your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your job, your career, your children. Whatever it is to you, God wants to be number one in your life. Can I tell you this morning, He's the only one that has the power to meet all of your needs. All of them. Every single need you have, He can meet. And we see he created man, placed him in the garden to take care of his needs. needs. And we also see this God told him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you still have your Bible open, look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31. I want to read you just one sentence. Then God saw everything that He made, and indeed, it was very good. God is a good God. I want you to listen closely to something before I move on to this next point. Why in the world did God put put a tree in the garden and then tell them not to eat it? Why not just not make the tree, Joplin? That way there had been no opportunity for them to, to allow the things that took place, to take place. Why did God create this tree and then tell them no? Let me tell you, first of all, God knows what He's doing. And that tree was good. What else is good is the freedom to trust God and serve Him. Man had the free will from the beginning of creation. To trust God and follow God and believe Him and live the way God told Him to live and walk the way God told Him to walk and do the things God told Him to do. But God never desired to be a puppet master over man, forcing you to serve Him, forcing you to do the things He asked. He wants a relationship with you of trust and love. I want you to think about a question for a moment. Without the tree that they were not to eat of. How else could Adam and Eve have shown God they loved Him and trusted Him? What do you have that God needs? Adam and Eve were God's supreme creation. But guess what? They were still His creation. Tiny, tiny grains of sand in the grand scale of everything that God had made. What do they have that God needs? What are they going to give God to show God they love Him? And God in His great wisdom and everything that He does is good said, I'll make a way where you can love me back. And I'm going to plant a tree here and I'm just going to give you the opportunity to trust me when I tell you And I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I'm going to tell you what will happen if you do this thing. Because I'm a good God and because I love you. You see, free will was God's idea. Adam and Eve are fixing to go through an absolute terrible time. And we're going to see this here in just a moment. But you know what? It wasn't God's fault. It was theirs. And the fault of the enemy, the old devil that got in and began to lie and deceive them and speak to their mind. And we'll deal with him here in just a moment. But you need to know something this morning. God gives you the free will to serve Him or to reject Him. And a lot of you and a lot of us, let's just say a lot of us, we have dealt with the consequences of our sin. And if we're honest, at times we've been mad at God for it. Why is this thing going on in my life? Well, could it be going on, friend? Because you turned your back on God. You chose not to trust Him. You decided you'd go your own way. You decided it didn't make sense why God said no. Why God said don't do this thing. God, why did you tell me not to be unequally yoked? God, why do you tell me to be sober? God, why do you tell me to do this? Lord, why do you tell me to be faithful to the house of God? These things don't make sense to me. I think I'll figure it out my own way. And I'll go my own way. And before you know it, death is knocking at the door. And sin has crept in and everything seems destroyed. And you're throwing your hands up saying, God, what's the problem with all this? And God says, Child, I gave you the free will to serve Me. God doesn't want a bunch of puppets on strings that only serve Him because He forces them to. God doesn't want a bunch of people in the church house this morning that are only here because He forced you to wake up and He forced you to get in the car and He forced you to show up and He forced you to raise a hand. God wants some men and women that will love Him because He's God that will trust Him because He's the Creator, and that will follow Him because we know He's a loving God. And though I don't understand His ways, they're higher than my ways. Though I don't understand all of His commands, I understand this one thing. He is God and He knows what He's doing. God says, follow Me. Trust Me. We see this in creation. Everything God made, it was good, including the free will, including the tree, That they were not to eat of. Let me just quickly say, you know, there's really nothing else you can give God but your trust. He just wants your heart. He wants your life this morning. Then we see there's an enemy. Verse 3, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You know, one of the things about the devil, he's cunning and crafty. Most of the time, when he lies, it's an exaggeration of a truth. He tries to twist things a little bit. He said, did God really say you can't have anything from that garden? No, actually what God said, you can eat anything at all that you want except one tree. Satan steps in, he says, wow, God, he just wants to hold you down under, under his thumb, doesn't he? Satan wants you to think all that, all, all that God's about is just holding you down. It's all about a, a list of rules and regulations, the old ball and chain. You're going to serve that God. You better check your life in at the door and get ready to be chained up the rest of your life. Friend, that's a lie from the pits of hell. If you don't know Him this morning, you are chained up. You don't know what it is to be free until you've come to know the Savior and the free pardon of sin. There's freedom in Jesus Christ. He's an exaggerator. He says, you don't want to serve God. He just wants to hold you down. You know why God didn't want him to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because it was going to bring death. That's why. Whether you understand it or not, friend, the reason God says no, is because He loves you and He cares about you. That's right. God says don't be unequally yoked. It's because He knows whether... You... <clears throat> this isn't even in my notes, but we'll just go here right now. Hey, listen to me. There is no such thing as evangelism dating. Young people, you think, well, I'm just going to date this person. I know he's not a Christian. I know it's not just young people alive. I'm just going to date this person and, and I'm going to try to reach this person for Christ. Hey, you cannot do anything for the cause of Christ that is absolutely the opposite of what Christ told you to do. There's a reason not to be unequally yoked. There's a reason God says no. There's a reason God said don't eat of that tree. And you know the reason is because He loves you. He knows what's best. He knows the pain that's ahead. And He says, child, trust Me. Don't go there. The serpent comes in, the enemy. And He causes us to question whether or not we can trust God. Notice in verse 5, He questions the integrity of God. First of all, in verse 4, he calls God a liar. You will not surely die. In verse 5, he says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He questions the integrity of God. says, a real reason God doesn't want you to know this is because you'll become just like Him. I don't have time to go here this morning. I might get there next week. But see, this was Satan's original intent in the first place. He thought to himself, I can be like God. I can be like Him. I can do what He does. He's not as all-powerful as as he quite thinks He is. And Satan forgot he was created by God and for God. And he tried to exalt himself above God. And God said, you think you're so big? Gone. And he casts him out of heaven with a third of the angels. One word of God. And they all obey. He began to say the same thing to Eve. God just, you you can be like God. The real reason God don't want you doing that, friend, is because He knows that when you do, you're going to be just as powerful as He is. First, He questions the integrity of God. Then He appeals to her prideful nature. In other words, Eve, God, He's a pretty good God, but He's not telling you the whole truth. And really, you can be even greater without Him. If you'll just go your own way, if you'll just do your own thing, you eat of that tree, you wait and see, Eve, you're going to be like God. It's interesting she has this conversation with the serpent. Can I tell you, conversing with with the devil and the devil's friends is a dangerous thing. He's smarter than you are, by the way. He's more powerful than you are, by the way. Now, greater is He that is in me. That's Christ than He that is in this world. The God that lives in me is the same God that had the power to speak to that old liar and cast him out of heaven. But it is the God that is in me, friend. It's not me in and of myself. You don't want to mess around with the devil. And you don't want to mess around with the devil's friends. You don't want to be in places listening and conversing with people that are asking you to question God and question whether you really ought to serve Him, whether you really ought to trust Him. And Eve took the bait. And she ate. Can I tell you it's the devil that we're fighting? It's not each other. It's not God. The devil seeks to destroy everything that God has built. And that's all that he does. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He hates what God loves and he loves what God hates. He's been working overtime to destroy what he can until the day when God finally decides Satan will be once and totally and finally destroyed. And we have an enemy that came and deceived them and they ate. And we see here, verse 7, they reject their God. They ate, and then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Yeah, this is what we try to do when we sin against God. We try to cover ourselves up. This is the first time that we see, immediately, as man sinned, he tries to cover himself up. You know, there's an instinct in every one of us. Even those of us, that, that, that those that, all of us, before we were saved even, there was an instinct in us to try to cover up our wickedness. Even if you didn't believe in God, even if you were an atheist or an agnostic, or you believed in something else, there was an instinct in me that said, I need to be covered up. There's certain things in my life I don't want anybody to know about. And we see man's attempt to begin to clean himself up and cover up his own sin. This morning, you trying to clean yourself up? You trying to cover yourself up? It's nothing more than leaves. And nothing more than leaves that just need one good blow of the wind of God, and you'll stand there naked again before Him without excuse. This morning, I'm telling you, there's folks under the sound of my voice, you're wearing leaves around and you're going to stand before God one day hoping those leaves cover you up and you're going to find that you're naked. I plead with you this morning, don't do that, friend. You need to turn to God this morning. You need to lay down your leaves of self-righteousness and quit trying to cleanse yourself and thinking that you're holy because you go to church or you put a little money in the offering plate or this or that. You need forgiveness this morning. If you're covering yourself up with leaves. We see man fell. And he fell hard. Because of that, everything that we see. The death, the sickness, the pain. I mentioned the last three weeks have been difficult here at home. It's all as a result of what I just read to you. People say, how could a loving God let things happen in this world that go on? Babies dying, people starving to death. I've seen it with my own eyes over in third world countries. It's not God that does it, friends. It's a result of the fall. And you listen, there will come a day when God will put an end to it. Thank God. But there's somebody here this morning, you're lost. And if you met God right now, He'd look at you and He'd say, depart from me, I never knew you. And you'd spend eternity in hell. And can I tell you, you better be thankful that yesterday God didn't decide it was the day when He put an end to all of this. There's a reason God lets it go on. And it's because He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the call is still out. And today is the day of salvation. And we as a church must be preaching, come to Jesus, for the Lord is coming back. There will come a day. But until that day, we see the the effects of the fall of man and sin and death. And it's a terrible place that ought to make us long for heaven. It ought to make us cry out, Lord, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. And it will one of these days. Man rejected God and he was found naked before him. I think it's interesting they were hiding from God, but they could not escape Him. Some of you are hiding from God, but friends, you can't escape Him. He knows where you're at. He knows where you're going to be tomorrow when you're hiding from Him too. He knows where you'll be an hour from now if you don't respond to Him today, and He'll find you there. And unfortunately, there will be some who will hide from God their entire lives and find at their final breath, yet then, they still yet could not escape Him. And then I want you to notice, not only do they hide from God, not only do they try to cover up their own sin, but they begin blaming others for their own actions. The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Sounds like a lot of men can't stand up for their own actions, won't man up and admit that their things are going through their own fault, so they just blame their wife. Just blame their wife. I would be in church, Pastor, but you just don't understand my wife. I would do this, but you don't know what it's like to have to live with that woman. You don't know what it's like to have to live with me. I want you to notice God didn't even respond to that dumb accusation. He just said, you're going to be cursed for what you did. That's not even worth talking to you about. Listen, you'll be held accountable for your own actions. And notice not only did he blame the woman, he actually blamed God. He said, God, if that, it's the woman you gave him. You made her, God. The one you gave me, she did. Hey, we blame God sometimes for our sins. God, if you'd given me a job, I wouldn't have to do this thing. God, if my life wasn't so hard, then I wouldn't be so stressed out, and I wouldn't be so frustrated, and then I'd feel happier, and then I'd want to serve you more, and then I'd do this or that. God, if You would do this, then I would do that. And so all of a sudden, our rebellion to Him and our, our, our slothfulness in prayer and our slothfulness to being faithful to the house of God and our slothfulness to serving Him, it becomes His fault. It's amazing what we do with our sin. Everything except look into ourselves and say, I have sinned, O God, and did this wickedness in Your sight. The woman says, the serpent. I want you to notice something, even from the beginning of time. That devil did not take that apple and open her mouth and shove it down it and make her eat. She ate it. She listened to the lie. She thought about it. She considered the possibility of just giving it a try to see. She made the decision. She looked at what she shouldn't have been looking at. She thought that it sure did look tasty. And she took the apple and she ate it. Satan is crafty. And he is a liar. And this is his number one method of destruction is planting lies in the heads of God's people and telling them you can't trust God. Do it your own way. The devil had some fault in this thing too and he ends up being cursed and God gives him a promise that one of these days, friend, you're going to be destroyed. But Eve was still guilty for listening to the devil. She was still guilty for her own sins. You see, each one of us is going to give an account to God. You're not going to stand before God hand in hand with your wife. And God just kind of balanced out how well the two of you did and decide, well... You didn't really serve me so well, but your husband, man, he was on fire for God. Come on in. And thank God that for those of us that are saved, we're not going to be judged according to those that aren't. We're all going to stand before God individually. Friend, I don't care if your granddaddy was one of the greatest preachers that ever walked the face of the earth. You will stand before God and give an account for your own sins. This morning, are you clothed in the blood of the Lamb? God curses them and we see in verse 15, God declares war. I will put enmity, speaking to to the devil, to the serpent, Between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. We see here a truth, and we'll watch it throughout most of the rest of this series. There are really only two seeds. There's the seed of the devil, those that are children of the devil. You see Jesus refer to them in John chapter 8. He says, Your father is the devil. We see Cain is also called, we'll see it next week, a child of the devil. And those that have followed after Him and His ways and His path and have believed His lies and have chosen the path of destruction, they have been at constant war to destroy the children of God. We'll see it next week in Cain and Abel. He said, I'll put enmity. God declares war. But He says this. Here will be the final end of that war. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Next, we see the consequences of sin. Death. The consequences of sin are absolutely horrid. I thought this morning, how can I even really speak to this? But I can't. And we live in a society... Man, I feel this coming on now. It is what it is. We live in a society that has done become totally accepting of sin. The other night we were sitting there getting ready for our float, going through the derby parade, and another church here in town had two homosexual women out there walking in their rainbow gear, making out in front of our kids. I pray that they repent before the judgment of God falls on that place and God does something about that. It's still sin in 2010. You listen to me closely. We have got to turn from sin. We've become so desensitized to it, it's disgusting. It caused death, the fall, destruction, division from the God who loves us. And I'm not homophobic, by the way. Homosexuals aren't going to stand before God in any more greater condemnation than those of you that are having sex out of wedlock. It's immorality. Than those of you who live your life as liars and you turn from God and you live in sin. It's all sin. It's all wickedness. It's all destruction. It's all turning from God. But what has happened in the church of God when we can allow that type of stuff to be openly done and say nothing about it and have it march down the street in our parades in our street? God forbid that His condemnation doesn't come on this city. All right. Thank you. We ought to not be afraid to say it. We ought to not be afraid to say the truth. The consequences of sin are horrible. And when we realize it, and then we think about how much of it we're trying to let creep into the church just a little bit at a time, my goodness, we ought to be concerned about our country. We ought to be concerned about our schools. We ought to be concerned about what's happening in our communities. Well, we've become so desensitized to sin. It's everywhere. It's on the radio. It's on the billboard. It's on the television. You can't even hardly watch a TV show without commercials coming on you don't want your children to see. And you see it over and over and over and over and over and over thousands of times. And before you know it, it's just the world we live in. Come on, Pastor. We're in 2010. You can't preach like that anymore. I don't know. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'll tell you this. I want to preach to the day I die, and I will. But I'd rather them lock me up in a jail on heinous hate crimes, bogus accusations, than me spend the rest of my life trying to please people and be politically correct. Sin is horrible. It separates us from God. Now, I want to close with this thought. In Verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. What a great note to end on. We see for the first time the sacrificial substitution is introduced. God didn't just leave him there. And if you're new here, I don't like to give my testimony all the time, but if you're new here, especially after what I just said, I want to say this. Listen, I I wasn't raised a Christian. I turned out to be an absolutely horrible person. I was a criminal. I'm a convicted felon. I was one of the most selfish people you've ever met in your life. I was addicted to needles, shooting up, heroin, cocaine, meth, anything I could find into my veins. So don't you think for a moment that I'm some self-righteous person. But I thank God He didn't leave me there. I'm telling you, there's a God that loves us. And God said, I'm not going to leave you in this place. There is going to be consequences for your sin. And we see God slaughter the lamb and clothe them up in His righteousness. Adam and Eve tried to clothe themselves in leaves. God said those leaves won't do. There's got to be the shedding of blood. And we see God begin to show us from the very beginning of time there's coming a day when there's going to have to be a supreme sacrifice who can clothe you in His righteousness. And can I tell you this morning, that Lamb was Jesus Christ. He was slain on Calvary's hill for the forgiveness of our sins. And you've got to be clothed in Him this morning. Thank God that God didn't leave Him there. He didn't leave us without hope. You might be here this morning and you're lost. And you know it. And you don't want to meet God right now because you're terrified of where you'd go. Don't leave the same way this morning. But know this, God has not left you there. There is an answer. You can be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ if you'll place your faith in Him. But you've got to shed yourself of your leaves. Your lame attempt to cover yourself up, hide your nakedness from God. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from your husband and your wife. You can hide it from us. Because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God has ways of seeing what we can't see. You might look as righteous as anybody I've ever met in my life, and deep inside you might be wicked. I don't know, but God does this morning. God sees the leaves. And I ask you this morning, when He sees you, does He see you clothed in the blood of the Lamb? Has He actually taken it and clothed you Himself? Are you still wearing the leaves of your own self-righteousness? So our worship team comes, prepares us for the altar call. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to respond to God. There's nothing more important than being right with Him, friend. He did tell us there will come a day. There's going to come a day when this war will come to an end. And I've read the end of the book and I know who wins. And I thank God that I'm on the winning side. Amen. Amen? What side are you on this morning? Are you still wearing your fig leaves? Don't let pride keep you from God. And don't let pride send you to hell. There might be somebody here. I don't know. Listen, I'm telling you. I don't know. And I have anybody in mind. I just know as I was speaking, this came to me. We do see on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. There might be somebody here. You've been here for a long time. You think, I don't want these people to know that, that I need God. I, they think I'm saved. Who cares what we think? Who cares? And I'll tell you this. We'll rejoice with you, friend. We will rejoice with you if you come to know Him. But don't let pride keep you from Him. Come to Him this morning and just cry out and say, God, I'm done with the leaves. Thank God that You didn't leave me here, that You made a way, that You made a sacrifice When, when all of my own efforts failed and when all of my own efforts really left me nothing but naked before You. You made a way. This morning, Lord, I look to You to clothe me I'm going to turn from my sin. You've got to repent. Turn from your sin and follow. Father, we love you this morning. And I pray God, you finish this sermon right now.